Welcome to the Hope on the Way podcast with Father John Ahmed. John is the bishop of the Interdenominational Order of Missioners of the Holy Spirit, and he's the founder of Hope on the Way Ministries. Now, join Father John and discover hope and relevant answers in following Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Hello again, this is Father John with my friend, John. Yeah, we're remembering the Jesus movement, and this is part four. Can you believe we've talked this long? I need more water, I think. <laughs> this is part four That's of our great. remembrances, and John and I just want to emphasize is that even though Southern California was the epicenter of the earthquake that was the Jesus Revolution, it was certainly not the only point where the Holy Spirit was breaking out. The Holy Spirit was breaking out simultaneously in many places, even including the Chicago area. And we could we could go on more and more about the history of the Jesus movement and how it spread around the world and broke out independently in different places. But we want to use part four of this podcast to do some discernment of this river of revival Holy Spirit revival that began in Acts chapter 2. What is going on today with this river of revival? And where is it going to run? And this is going to be something that we ask for a lot of grace from you who are listening to us. Because unless the Holy Spirit comes upon us at this time and we have a prophetic word about it, we're going to just be speaking as humble ministers, priest here, layperson with John about what we're sensing. And again, we're located in the Portland, Oregon area. We don't have a, a handle necessarily on where you live and what God is doing in your area. But I will say this, is that when the Holy Spirit moves in power, there is a similarity of what happens in Acts 2 throughout the book of Acts and into the life and history of the church. There's going to be Holy Spirit fire. There's going to be enthusiasm. There's going to be manifestations. There's going to be gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's going to be signs and wonders. Yes, there there's is. going to be disruptions in the norm. There's going to be those who call it demonic who are sincere believers and don't understand it. And like John said in our last podcast, that the children of the last revival are the persecutors of the children of the new. There's going to be people that go to the extreme and let their flesh get involved in it. And yes. of course, Satan's going to try to counterfeit during it and, and, and derail it. All of it's going to happen. Here's what we see the situation today is that the church acknowledges, I think by and large, is that we have to have a generational revival. Forget saving the United States. I don't say this prophetically, but in my personal opinion, the United States cannot be saved. And here's why I say it. If the Jesus revolution didn't save the United States, what will? And my answer to that is the glorious return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen which this is not a prophetic word, but I believe that the time is close. And if it doesn't happen in my lifetime, 
I wouldn't be surprised, but if it happens in my lifetime, I would be even less surprised. You can learn more about this. I have a two-part podcast where I did a teaching on the signs of the return of Christ, and we see some new signs today that when we had Jesus is coming again fever in the Jesus revolution, we didn't see those signs. And I'll just tell you uh, as a little bit of a teaser what that one sign we didn't see in the Jesus revolution is that is the rise of the apostate church. I'm sorry if I hurt anybody. I love you all. I I love my brothers and sisters, but there is an apostate progressive church. They are giving aid and comfort to the enemy and they're leading people into a Christless eternity. And if you're in that church, get out now. Get out now. And as we think about the situation today, we're confronted with a growing, growing, growing post-Christian movement is that our Western cultures are becoming less Christian, less church, We've seen what Pope Francis has called the collapse of Christendom. You can reach and search that on your own. We no longer live in a Christian country or a Christian society. On the other hand, in the developing world, what we call the primitive world, we're seeing an explosion in Africa and Asia of the church and the vitality of the church and the biblical orthodoxy of the church. So where, where are we right now in the life of of the church in the United States and in the UK. You know where the one of the fastest growing segments of Christianity is, Father John, is among Muslims. Um there's a there's a growing church in Iran. It's amazing. The least likely places that we would think as American Christians is exactly where God is is working. So we hear these stories that the, the most exponential growth of the church may be in the nation of Iran. If the nation of the United States and that of the UK and Europe can be saved politically through a revival, you know, praise the Lord. But I'm not looking for that. I'm just, I'm looking to see a harvest of generational significance. I want to see a generational revival, not just your church grows. I hope your church grows, especially if it's a biblically orthodox church. But I want to see a generation saved, like we saw in every major revival of the Holy Spirit, beginning in Acts chapter 2. And so, how is that going to look? How is that river going to flow? I've already said we're going to see the same signs and wonders. So first of all, in the last podcast, I said we have to own what's happened. The church has to repent for what has happened to our culture. The plight of the lost in our nations, in our countries, in our states, in our cities, in our neighborhoods is on the back of the church. We own it. We need to repent of it. Number two, we need to express John 17 unity. Jesus said, they'll they'll know that I sent you because you are one. And we don't need to just have community worship services where we get together and play our guitars and drums and have a couple people preach and all gather together to express unity. We need to work together when we have that opportunity. 
In many places of the country, there's so few Christians and faithful Christians and whole Christians that we are going to have to work together. We have some folks in Canada and they're so post-Christian that denominations who would never work together in the past are being forced to work together (laughs) because they're the remnant. And so we have to express that John 17 unity when it makes sense. Like, hey, we need to partner across church lines. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, go ahead. So you mentioned smaller churches in our earlier podcast. Where do you see, because we still have an overemphasis on the so-called mega churches. Where do you see the smaller churches as being impactful in the future during uh, what I believe is going to be a huge revival? That's a great question. And I believe that this will happen in grassroots churches. I do too. In house churches and in niche churches. And again, I don't want to explain what a niche church is. Just go ahead and look it up, Google it, Wikipedia it. Uh, I'm not going to waste your time explaining that. But it's going to happen at the very grassroots level because Unlike the Jesus Revolution, that happened in the age of Christendom. Mm -hmm. Most of the kiddos that that came to faith in the Jesus movement were Christians. They had been baptized as children, or at least at some point, even yourself, John, even yourself had been brought to church in Sunday school, maybe a few times. Went to vacation Bible school, so I had some exposure, yeah. But we have a generation, a growing generation, that have no idea what Christianity is about. Right. They think they do. They think they know it because they're post-Christian. They have some sort of Christian memory that's all confused and mistaken, but they know nothing about the church, nothing about the scriptures, nothing about the history of the church. For goodness sake, most of this generation has no historical knowledge about the church. No, Christianity has been reduced to a meme on Facebook or um, Twitter. And I I don't think you're being mean saying that. It's just true. It's It's just true. true, folks. As far as... Understanding uh, through social media with kids today, they really don't know. And so we're going to have to realize is that no matter how cool your church is, no matter how cool my church is, it's not going to impress anybody. Right. The only thing that's going to impress people is... The bold proclamation of the gospel of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in gifts of the Spirit, signs and wonders, and supernatural love. Amen. Supernatural love. So we're going to have to realize is that there are most people in post-Christendom who will never go to a megachurch. No. And if I could add, you know, I'm just thinking, I came to Christ here in a small town with a bunch of kids that had just gotten together for a short, you know, three or four month musical event. And that was, and then that ended. 
So I was never involved in it. I didn't even know what a mega church was until I went to Southern California. And yet I knew that I knew that I knew that Jesus was real and that the Holy Spirit was in my life. Now I want to say that the mega church will continue to reach people and baptize people and disciple people. Yes. It's going, it's going to continue and the Lord's going to continue to use it. But to really reach that grassroots generation of post Christendom is that we're going to need co-vocational ministers, pastors and priests who don't rely on being paid staff to be pastors. And they're going to have to start house churches and niche churches of 10 people. 20 would be a huge house church or niche church. Uh, a nurse church might be different because it could potentially happen at a at a workplace if the employer was okay with that. And sometimes they are. Another undercurrent of this coming revival has been going on for many, many millennium. And that is, is that Jesus wants to put his church back together again. The church is called the body of Christ. And if the church is the body of Christ, who will that body look like? Jesus. <laughs> it will look like Jesus. Jesus was an evangelist. Jesus was a Pentecostal charismatic minister. Jesus was a contemplative, went off to lonely places to pray, to listen yeah. to the Father. He does only what he sees the Father doing. He's a contemplative. Jesus is into social justice to the plight of the poor, to the exploited and to the oppressed. Jesus is into holiness and purity. And Jesus is a priest. Jesus is a high priest. And Jesus gives his priestly ministry to his apostles who give it to their successors. And of course, Jesus gives the general priesthood of believers to all believers. Jesus was sacramental. He did sacramental actions. He used sacramental objects. He uses spit and mud to heal a blind person. That's a sacramental healing. Of course, Jesus uses water. And baptism, a sacramental action, sacramental object of water. Jesus, of course, institutes the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, which continues to be the climactic act of the church throughout the primitive early church and up until the Protestant Reformation, where the Reformers do a little bit of throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Jesus is going to restore his church. And when Jesus comes back, there won't be a bunch of different churches. There'll just be one church. It will be called by his name and it will look like him. And the reason that's going to happen is because of one thing, persecution. And we'll need all the ministry of Jesus. Say it ain't so. Yeah, it's going to happen. We've got to prepare for persecution. It's it's already beginning 
It's going to happen in greater, greater, and greater measure. The rise of totalitarianism and so-called democracies is on the move. And I predict, not prophesy, I predict it will not be reversed. A one-world government, a one-world economy, a one-world progressive church is coming. You know, John, the only part of the world that there is not a persecuted church is in Western countries. You talk to an older person from Russia or any of the Slavic countries, Middle Eastern countries, they have all undergone persecution. Yes. But that persecution is already happening in nonviolent ways. The Justice Department of the United States is doing some things going after yeah. um, some Christians for, for different reasons. And again, I don't want to get into the political things of this. A 1.2 million fine for not masking in Calvary Chapel, your, your, uh, not your Belinda, but, uh, San Jose. I mean, Canada is, is, is that. even worse. Things are going on there. You research it yourself, folks. I don't need to get on my soup, uh, my soapbox and, and I, I don't want this to get political, but it's going to get political is, that to be a traditional biblical orthodox Christian is that it's going to cost you. It's happening. It's going to happen. It's going to get worse. That's my prediction, not my prophecy. But the good news is, the good news is the Lord did give me a word during the height of the pandemic where the band-aid of the sore that is the American culture was ripped off and out of it came a demonic, a demonic oozing. The Lord spoke to me from a passage in Romans where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. I thought and, of that verse earlier. Go ahead. Sorry. And the Lord spoke to me that as, as the wickedness abounds in our society, that God will give us more power. And dear Keith Green from the 70s predicted that the last day's church as is predicted and prophesied in scripture, will be the greatest revival generation that the world has ever seen. It will become holy and fully the apostolic church, the church that Jesus and the apostles founded, the evangelical, charismatic, Pentecostal, contemplative holiness sacramental church. John, do you have any final thoughts? And then I'm going to offer a blessing. Thank you for letting me become involved in this. This has been a blessing. You know, we tried to eliminate actual stories to keep this as concise as possible. But the Lord reminded me of a verse in Judges 5.11. And this is, I think, this is how, this is an admonition to Christians all over who might be listening to this, is that there are aspects of your life that God can point to and say, these were victories, and you need to share them with the, with the next generation. He says in, in Judges 5.11, To the sound of musicians at the watering places, there they repeat the righteous triumphs of the Lord, the righteous triumphs of his villagers in Israel. And 
these stories of this is how the gospel gets communicated. It's not just sermons from a TV evangelist or from a mega church or even from a pastor. They're the victories that God has worked in your heart, victories that sometimes were hard won through life experience. Share those victories and share the triumph of the Lord in your life. This is Father John with my friend and parishioner, John. And this has been our Remembrances of the Jesus Revolution. Now may Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bless you. And may the fire of the Holy Spirit warm your heart, encourage you, and give you expectancy for the coming generational harvest before the end of this age. Amen. You've been listening to the Hope on the Way podcast with Father John Ahmed. We invite you to subscribe or follow this podcast on your preferred podcasting platform. To find out more about Hope on the Way Ministries and Father John, check out our website at hopeontheway.info. That's hopeontheway.info. Now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the companionship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen.